the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. I think I need to open the phones uh, because I could play, well, on one hand, but then again on the other, all day long. And I really want to hear from you uh, on the spy in the White House. The op-ed in the New York Times, by the way, we're going to take your phone calls, 888-727-BECK. Call now. The op-ed in the New York Times. On one hand, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm, there is... We all know that Donald Trump is a, a, a little unhinged at times. He may not be taking Russia as seriously as he should be. Um, we also know that there's some things that we really like. So on one hand, I'm glad there are people that are stopping him or slowing him down on doing some of the crazy things that are either undemocratic or not, you know, Republican conservative uh, things. On the other hand, not covertly. I am really very bothered by the covert nature of this. If you are taking, you know, things, and this is the Bob Woodward book, not the editorial, but if you are taking things off the president's desk, on the one hand, but on the other, you're not an elected official. Even if, it, even if it were Mike Pence, and I don't think it is, even if it were Mike Pence and he's an elected official, they didn't vote for you, Mike. They voted for him. We have a shadow government. This, you can't tell me that this is healthy because it never stops here. Let me ask let me ask you this. If you're upset about this today that he's doing this, would you have cheered if somebody let's say in the treasury or you know on the on the um, a, a group of people uh with the cabinet <laughs> that Obama never met with, uh, if they would say, you know what? We believe in in healthcare being the best in the world is happening here because of the free market system. This is going to be a danger to our economy. It's going to be a danger to the future of health and innovation. Would you be okay with a group of people covertly stopping Obamacare inside the administration? Now, I will tell you, that part of me would cheer. But I would hope that I would say, but on the other hand, we didn't elect those people. Elections have consequences. This is a bailout. I'm sorry, but then where in the Constitution can I find the bailout for the uh, president? I, I mean, he's the president. You elected him. And, well, half the country didn't. Well, half the country didn't elect Barack Obama either. But he was the president. So would you have cheered if you were upset? And if you're cheering now, would you have cheered if somebody had done that to Barack Obama? Or 
let's use a real scenario. If this president stands, will you be cheering when it happens to your guy, maybe the next term? I can't find this in the Constitution. I do believe this is a national. I believe in the op-ed, it says, well, uh, we didn't want to get involved with the 25th Amendment. We we don't want to cause a constitutional crisis. You have. You're doing it right now. You have a, a shadow government inside of the White House, an unelected, unnamed group of people that are thwarting the president of the United States. Uh, I don't know how to look at that other than a banana republic. I'm sorry. I mean, at least the 25th Amendment to the Constitution is in the Constitution. In the Constitution. (laughs) There is impeachment. There is election. There is the 25th Amendment. There is not anywhere in the law, Constitution, or common sense for a group of people to be secretly thwarting everything this president is trying to do. And on the other hand, I'm glad that he's been slowed down on certain things or hasn't done certain things. But I am not for I am for a group of people coming into his office and saying, Mr. President, you cannot do this or we all walk. I'm for that. I am not for a group of people deciding they're just going to take the rule of law and the Constitution into their own hands. And I would have said this under Barack Obama. I do not like secrecy. I do not like the lack of transparency. And this is a dangerous precedence. It's Thursday, September 6th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I I don't. Fascinating day. It's, uh, my gosh, there's so much to talk about um, today. We have, I have some good news. I have some really good news um, about uh, the Democrats starting to turn as well. There is a historic opportunity right now. It's happening right now. If people will stick to principles, American principles, you have a chance of uniting maybe 60% of this country, maybe, maybe higher. But over 50% of this country can come together because people are tired of this. They're tired of the craziness. They're tired of the craziness of the the Trump administration, they're tired of the craziness in Congress. They're tired of the craziness uh, from the alt-right. They're cr- tired of the craziness from Antifa. And the Democrats are finally waking up going, wait a minute, we have been hijacked. And they are finally seeing the same things that the Tea Party saw in the Republicans. They're rejecting their own party. And that is a good thing because they're rejecting democratic socialists. They're, they're rejecting Linda Sarsour. We'll get into this later. There is some really good news. But uh, short-term thinking, I, I know people in the administration um, and in and around the administration that called me 
before the uh, election and said, Glenn, I just want to have an off-the-record conversation with you. You and I have been friends for a long time, or you and I have been doing this or whatever, and I know you, you respect me, I respect you, I want you to know I'm not speaking out because someone needs to be in the room. Someone has to be there to help shape and guide. So I know people and I celebrate that people are in the room that are are not crazy. Who don't believe that, you know, trade is easily, you know, easy trade wars are easily won. That Russia, oh, there's nothing wrong with Putin. He, Putin's just like us. No, he's not. So I'm really glad about that. And I know people who took jobs there and are getting blasted for it. But they took jobs so someone could be in the room. That's different than this. Don't you think, Stu? Uh, yes. I mean, certainly it's different than what we were talking about with the, the Woodward book, right? Um, where people are taking, you know, allegedly taking papers off of desks to hide things that the president wants to do uh, and take it, taking something that's done away from him so he can't sign it. At least that's what's the way it was portrayed in the Woodward book. That, to me, is completely over the line. Um, you know, and because, you know, look, even if he's making bad decisions, you know, we elected him. The elections even have consequences. Was, yeah. I mean, even if, you know, because I think I've been very vocal on how much I disagree with the president on trade in particular. Yeah. But, I mean, it, the president's the freaking worse, president. The and the Congress, by the way, gave him that power. The Congress gave the power to the president against what the Constitution says. Yes. Uh, and, and allows him to do this. So, you know, this is where we are. All uh, you have to do to restrain any president, this is what we were asking Congress to do under Barack Obama, is tell Congress to live within the constitutional powers. Take your power back. And force the administration to live within its power. Right. They don't want their power back. They want to be able to blame it on somebody else. That's what's really happening. But you argue uh, with the president about that, and you tell him he's wrong, and you, if you really feel strongly about it, you might resign. Uh, and Cohn did just resign, right? Yeah. I mean, so, but you don't, this is a, a, such a strange thing as far as the specifics about this op-ed, which is you can say that this is someone who is working against an agenda and they don't specify any of these like tricks where they're doing something against the president. He says he's he's doing what I believe is right. And, uh, it's something where we are working against the worst instincts of the president is the way they phrase it. And doing that can be a bunch of different things. You know, that can be what we're talking about. It might be just talking about, you know, trying to guide him towards the right decision, which is a completely every every big executive has advisors who do that. We talked about um, we talked Steve about Jobs. Steve Jobs yeah. yesterday. Steve Jobs had people on his staff that would tell people, don't bring that up to the president, uh, to Steve, please mm -hmm. don't. Or we're going to go off on a tangent and we'll be a million miles away. Right. And is that wrong? I mean, is that action wrong? No, it you can know what? be Here. in certain circumstances, I think. Stu, you and I both know mm -hmm. that, that that you have said to people before they meet with me, don't bring that up with Glenn because he'll go, <laughs> right? We'll be building Prop, yeah, rocket Prop. ships. Right, right. All right? <laughs> and I don't ever have a problem with that, but you would never say if it was critical to hear an alternate voice right. 
uh, or a different opinion, you would never shut that down. And I have had employees that have walked out of my office and they were fired for it because they walked out of my office and they were high level executives. And they said to their team after meeting with me for like 90 minutes and agreeing on a course, okay, dismiss all of that. We're not going to do any of that. Right. Like that's, that's different. That's yeah. That's not, it's not something. Yeah. That's you're right. Because if it's something like where the president of the United States is saying, I want to start a trade war with, uh, you know, Madagascar, then you all have to, the bottom line is, yeah, yeah. You all have to walk out in front of the press and say, I can't do it. He wants to start a trade war. This is (laughs) crazy. Right now. And here they don't necessarily outline that. They don't, he doesn't outline. I don't think something that would be, uh, completely, against uh the, the constitution the const- I don't I don't think he outlines that um I think he outlines that he is he wants to almost tell the american people I'm there trying to, to to I'm there to try to do what I can to push back against these worst instincts depending on what how that's defined it could be okay maybe not but the issue I have with it is that if what you're doing it, you're doing to be to do something that's good for the country and you believe this is really important the you have to do that in silence. What I, when you I come spent, out and write this op-ed, Trump every time something doesn't happen, he's going to believe he's being thwarted I, in some I, way. I I I I I could not solve this puzzle in my head last night. Why, for the love of God, would you do this? Yeah. Okay. You you would. Here's a guy who. In the Woodward book, if you believe any of this, and I do believe some of this, he loves chaos. He uh, he must have complete blind loyalty. He is vindictive and he is paranoid. Now, he has a reason to be paranoid, but you've just said, here's a guy who's a little unstable and he's he's a little undemocratic. You know he's he's a guy that does purges. Why would you tell the world and him? By the way, there's a group of us. Yeah, you don't even know who we are, but we're there every day and we're thwarting you. Why would you do that? If you believed that this was national security, why would you come out and admit that? Because you've just made the president, if I'm to believe you much more dangerous, much more likely to not listen to anyone. What is your purpose? I cannot come up with a, with a logical reason other than, and I hate to say this other than somebody who wants to say, um, I was that guy. Yeah. Like someone who wants history to look at him in a certain way, which is, you know, a terrible instinct. If you're really this person who is, you know, there for the country, that's not what you would want to do. Right. I mean, you know, the, the argument being made by people who are kind of supporting this is he mentions the McCain funeral and the idea, you know, we've been nonstop hit with, you know, country first and all the things that McCain, you know, many believe McCain kind of stood for. Uh, And whether you liked him or not, this person seemingly did right so the idea of hey maybe i should let the people know that there are good people here it's not all bad i just don't buy that if you are in that administration and you believe that doing these things is an important part of what's happening and you're protecting the country against negative influences again depending on how you're doing it that can be okay and it it may be not i have news for you if you believe that the president as stated in this op-ed is a threat to democracy and the national security 
You have a response. You have a constitutional responsibility. You do not take an oath to the president. You take an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America. If you believe this, you have a responsibility to go out and say, this is what's happening. This is a danger. You have that responsibility, period. But on the other hand, love to hear your comments, 888-727-BECK. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about my Patriot Supply. If you don't think the world is in chaos, I mean, what else do you need? You think it's becoming more stable? I think everything's going to turn out fine. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. So uh, may I suggest that you have a uh, food supply because there's, look, did you see the, what China said? They said if he ups it again, they just said this overnight, if he goes back for more sanctions, which he's saying he's going to do, there will be serious ramifications, according to China. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. They're easy to win. Not. So just just that can change the world overnight. Please have food storage. So whether it's a hurricane or a flood or you know, a power outage because Russia has told us the next war will be ones and zeros, and we know that they have hacked into our power grid, what are you doing? Just have two-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply. They're $75 right now. They contain 92 servings of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Take action right now. 800-271-63 or go with my uh, special website at preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. Do it now. Glenn Beck. We go to Debbie on line nine. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hi. I wanted to respond to your discussion about the Woodward book and the op-ed, and I look at it in a, a slightly different way. I'm an independent. I didn't vote for either candidate, but I'm really, really tired of people making excuses for yes. Mr. Trump's behavior. It's just, you know, people will say, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Fox. I'm not talking about CNN. And I'm ta- not talking about anybody in particular. It just seems like everybody says, well, oh, I don't like this. And then the next sentence is an excuse. So maybe this is a way of things now are starting to kind of make full circle, come back to him for his behavior. Well, I, I don't I don't know, Debbie, that that's going to require the the citizens of the United States to actually start caring about the truth. <clears throat> Donald Trump and Steve Bannon are, are employing basic right wing postmodernism where the truth doesn't matter it's my truth well that's a, that's that's fake news and 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 there's there's no logic there's no facts behind it just as the press did under obama and with hillary clinton oh the benghazi thing well that was started by a film no it wasn't no it wasn't and you guys had meetings about it we have records and that truth didn't matter to the press well two can play that game i guess and so nobody's going to hold anyone accountable the, the, the left is going to try to hold the right accountable for doing the same things that they did. And the right is going to hold the left accountable for everything that they're doing now. That's postmodernism, a world that is not based in fact, in reason or truth. 
This will change when Americans decide, yeah, you know what? The truth comes first. Good morning and uh, welcome to the program. I'm glad you're here. Let me uh, let me get your thoughts on the even the legality of what is happening in the White House, supposedly. Brian, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Good morning, Glenn. Hi. Do you think there's a chance Trump has put this out on his own, given that he loves the environment of chaos? <laughs> <laughs> I love this theory. So it would be John, John Barron, John right? Barron is the high-level official. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, no, I can't. I can't imagine that... I mean, I do think that he enjoys chaos, um, but I, I can't see a way this helps him in any way. Does it distract from the Woodward book? or I think it emphasizes the Woodward yeah, book. If I anything else, it, it probably draws attention to yeah, it. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I, I'd say it's, it's a fun theory. Uh, I, I don't think... I mean, they actually are running odds now on who it is. These The casinos are coming up with odds. It's Where, where do you make your bet on this, Glenn? So they've got Mike Pence at minus one fifty, which means you have to bet one hundred fifty dollars to win a hundred. That's a te- I mean that's terrible. People are they like- have Pence high because of this Lodestar thing. We haven't talked yeah, about yeah, it really. Yeah. He used the word Lodestar in the. Can um, I give you? A, may I give you a? May I give you a theory? You can. I you don't want the rest of the odds. I you do. Go right, I do. Okay. But I think this will affect the odds. Okay. Okay. Mike Pence. I just don't think Mike Pence uh, wrote this. No. Um, I don't and. Uh, you know, maybe it's a setup. Maybe somebody is setting him up to look like the guy who did this. I don't know. Uh, that's that's what I was thinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's. They reference the 25th Amendment. You have Donald Trump, who is already a caged animal, right? Mm-hmm. He is feeling very alone. He just gave an, an interview just last weekend where he talked about how alone he feels. Okay. Um, it's a lonely job in the first place. You're surrounded by enemies always busting you in the head. You're paranoid. We know he's a paranoid guy. You're paranoid as it is, and he has reason to be paranoid right now. Uh, and then you release this. What is that going to do besides bring out probably more erratic behavior? Right. Is this a possible setup to bring a, a, a more unstable president out so you would have more evidence of the 25th Amendment? If you got right. together in a group and you'd say, let's do that, you'd, the argument would be we don't have enough evidence, we don't have enough people that would testify on this, this, and this. He'd have to do these things. Well, wouldn't this help? And that's, I mean, that's an insane game you're playing there. Insane. Um, but you have to imagine you know, the end game is not an op-ed. Right. Like the end game is not, hey, I'm going to write something and then maybe someday people will think better of me. I I, I don't know. That seems hard to believe. Um, And by the way, the lodestar thing is he he used the word lodestar in the L-O-D-E-S-T-A-R in the uh, op-ed. Lodestar means a star that leads or guides, especially a north star, Mm -hmm. one that serves as an inspiration. Um, Most people would use North Star or right. Polar Star, and almost nobody. I've I've 
probably never heard anyone in my life use the word lodestar. Mm-hmm. So my first thought when I, when I was reading that, I'm like, lodestar? Who the heck uses that word? And I was like, the first thing I would do if I was at the White House is I'd be searching the internal email service servers to see who's ever used the word lodestar. Uh, because obviously, if you're writing this about yourself, you're going to make sure you don't use a word associated with you if you have phrasing that you use all the time you're not going to put it in your op-ed because it'd be like me it, it'd be like right? me right you know do your own homework or right the world's about to come to an end right you, know, you <laughs> exactly. just don't put they that know in it was there glenn. right uh so he so when you're doing something like this you're going to make sure to uh, to not to not include something that's associated with you publicly so i thought you got to search these email servers maybe somebody does use that private did they i'm sure they did however what they found and what, what people have found so far is that mike pence actually does use the word publicly often and that to me screams somebody targeting pence somebody who wants pence out of there uh out of the circle of trust knows that pence uses that word all the time and is trying to uh, go after him as part of this thing. I don't think so. It, so let me let me let me say this: if that if that would be true, then what everything else this person wrote would be false, because Pence will be a moderating voice there. Yes, you know what is, I mean. And all reports indicate he has been right. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to set Pence up or separate him from the president, you're not. You're not helping moderate things. Yeah. You're trying to upset the apple cart because Pence is blocking you from your access or your point of view with the president. It could very well be, too, someone who might be an establishment figure. Mm-hmm. It praises McCain in the op-ed. Yeah. Um, could be someone from that wing who doesn't like the sort of cons- more conservative leanings of Pence. Yes. yes. Um, that's possible well, as that's well. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, minus 150 for Mike Pence is a terrible bet. I can't imagine it's actually him. I can't either. Betsy DeVos, 2-1. to one. Betsy DeVos, I don't see as someone who would do that. Uh, Pompeo at 4-1. to one. Mnuchin at 4-1. to one. Mattis at five to one, Sessions five to one, Ivanka twelve to one, Jared Kushner twelve to one. Those are terrible bets. And Stephen Miller at fifteen to one. Now Miller, it doesn't. It, he's certainly not his style of writing. But again, you might be trying. You're going to try to hide yourself. The one, if I had to pick one out of that group, where are you putting your money? I think I, I might go Mnuchin. He's very under. He's well known, well respected in the business community. He is a guy who he's not not outspoken. He is the guy who has not come out and, and criticized the administration in any of these turns. Uh, he, I don't know, at four to one, if I had to bet off that list, that's probably where I'm going. I mean, I don't think it's Pompeo. DeVos has had really, you know, pretty strong backing from the president, even though she's been under fire. Do you, do you know who her brother is? Yeah. Uh, Eric Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eric Prince from, the, from Blackwater? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric is not necessarily the, uh, you know, the prince on the white horse. Uh, I mean, I, I, he is kind of a, uh, well, a I mean, dark been... figure that sure would be the kind of guy that would think three dimensional chess. Who's standing in your way, Betsy? Who's standing in your way? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, again, we're all just reaching and speculating. Oh, yeah. I'm to- This is but, total speculation. Yeah, no. 
But uh, so I mean, you're saying that's that's not as crazy. Maybe that's why she's I don't know one. Betsy at all, and I don't think Betsy is like her brother. She's also, uh, uh, you know, very wealthy and you know very independent. and oh, yeah. already has a high level position. Right. And uh, I know. don't. I don't. I. But the. Uh, it's it's a fact. It is like I. I think the idea that it's. I think your analysis yesterday of the Woodward book holds up really well today. Because once again, what you get out of this, I think, is a summary of things we've known for a long time. That, of course, there are people who are in the administration that are not big Trump fans and don't like his trade wars and and don't like his Russia, you know, him liking Russia. The example they use is that one where, you know, hey, we're at a two track presidency. You know, Trump is friendly to, to people like Putin. And we have gone a different direction. But that's not thwarting the presidency. All those things have been public. Trump knows and signs off on all of those things. They've convinced him it was right to sanction these people. It was, they've convinced him it is right to pull these people out. That's totally, what his, that, There's nothing what, wrong with that at all. But again, think three dimensions. You know what? I know it sounds crazy to um, to think conspiratorial in, in, in situations like this. Um, however... You know, Tom Clancy novels, they're, they're based in reality. I mean, if I hadn't have witnessed some things myself in uh, government and in administrations and with the media, if I hadn't have witnessed them myself and quite honestly had had people like Stu next to me, who I can later go back and go, I'm remembering this right. Correct. <laughs> right. I mean. Stu, there have been things that have been have been ripped right out of a of a Clancy oh, novel that we have experienced. An insane journey, that's insane. For sure. <laughs> and you'd be like, when it's happening to you or happening around you, you're like, shut the hell up! Is everybody punking me, and they're not. So to to take this on its face value may be what you should do. But I can't I cannot get past the point that they say they want to make an impact and that Donald Trump has um, uh, undemocratic tendencies and he likes people like Putin. Well, what what just happened in England? Theresa May just gave a speech uh, in front of Parliament. That's really important. Listen to this. This is Theresa May yesterday in front of Parliament regarding Russia. We were right to say in March that the Russian state was responsible. And now we have identified the individuals involved, we can go even further. Based on this work, I can today tell the House that based on a body of intelligence, the government has concluded that the two individuals named by the police and CPS are officers from the Russian Military Intelligence Service, also known as the GRU. Okay, stop. This, wow. is, this is huge, earth-shattering news. This is an act of war, okay? This will require... England's not going to sit um, uh, uh, and sit on their hands on this. So this will require possibly extra sanctions. So... We know this is coming out. You know if you're in the administration, you have that information. This, this letter specifically says Russia's bad, and we've put all these policies that he's not wanting to do. 
Well, knowing Donald Trump, once you tell him don't do something, he'll do it. Yeah. Now you're alerting him that we've manipulated you mm. on Russia. Yeah. And this is going to be the one he's going to push back on, you'd think. Yes. This maybe the, Again, this is all just speculation, but maybe it's someone from the sort of nationalist side of things yes could who be doesn't want that doesn't like what they've done to correct trump on russia correct and they are masquerading as <laughs> someone else this is totally house of cards it they is totally the house of it's cards. happening in real life yes i mean you cannot take these things that's why secrecy and uh, transparency is the answer to everything that's why my stance in the end on this is this person must come out and identify themselves and go on the record. This kind of cloak and dagger stuff is very unhealthy for the Republic. It is very unhealthy for the general public as well. This is not going to lead us to anything good. <laughs> no, it definitely. I mean, because this is there's this two is ways to go about this, right? you resign you come out you make a public statement this is why i disagree he's doing something really bad for us the other way is to go the way of uh you know francis underwood uh we just talked about a house of cards yeah do you really want to discuss courage because anyone can commit suicide or spout their mouth in front of a camera but you want to know what really takes courage keeping your mouth shut no matter what you might be feeling and I, it's, I always found that to be such a great quote because there's so many times that all you want to do is stand up and say, I'm going to write an op-ed because I'm doing something great. If this person is really doing something, let's just say, to protect the country, your courage lies in your silence. Not coming out and running your mouth to the New York Times. Or we talk about this some more. Something's wrong here. I just, I just Something's wrong. Something's wrong here. <laughs> there's I a mean, lot of things there's a wrong. lot of things yes. wrong. No matter but what, I don't, I don't yeah. think that this story is the surface level that we're seeing. I just I, maybe it is, maybe it is, but just I can't put this puzzle together. All right, sponsor this half hour is American Financing. Owning a home has never been easier. It continues to be a great investment. Whether you're buying your first home, your next home, or an investment home. American Financing can customize the right loan program for you, and they'll get you a pre-approval letter fast so you'll know how much money you can qualify for, so you'll know what kind of home you can buy, and you can expect faster than uh, than usual processing thanks to the in-house underwriting and decision-making. They'll also answer your really stupid questions, like the two dozen or so that I berated them with. <laughs> right. Can I pay no money down? Can can you buy some of the house and I'll owe you? <laughs> I, I went through so many crazy scenarios, and but I mean they were willing to walk me through all the processes. Why some of those may have been a bad idea? Yeah, uh, and and got me to you know it was they, that was an incredible process. This uh, the experience you'll have to talk about this some other time. The experience that Stu had with American Financing it just shows you who they are. I mean, and, and yeah. why they're a sponsor on this program. Um, because I don't do, you know, finance uh, endorsements. These guys I do because I've known them uh, and I questioned them for so long before uh, they became clients and I watched them through 2008. Their principles matter. 
American Financing. They work for you. AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net or call 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation. NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck. We'll continue to take your phone calls and uh, and uh, get your feelings on this uh this deep state i mean it's it's not deep state but it is it's not the same kind of deep state but this is a shadow government uh and i'm not comfortable with this in any way shape or form now there is the possibility as Stu and i were just uh, talking about off air that there's this possibility that the new york times took somebody who is not at a very high level and and is publishing publishing this anonymously if this isn't a cabinet level or just below cabinet level, uh, if this is not a serious player, the New York Times uh, should be just a roundhouse kick to the face. Yeah, I mean, they the even people on the left are saying that. They're saying, like, they this better be something good, essentially, is the way they're looking at it. Now, of course, they want to tear down the president, so that, but they, they are saying... I mean, when you say senior level official, it could mean a m- bunch of things, and that's a totally... Yeah, no, it's got to be somebody who has serious, serious access. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Glenn Beck. California continues to be the test case in uh, how not to run a state. I hope the rest of the nation is paying attention because California keeps passing mind-blowingly bad laws that have little to do with the constitutional concept of freedom. And Texas is paying the price because all of these Fruit Loops from California are moving here. The latest example is a law now that California Senate passed last week that is now on its way to Governor Jerry Brown's desk to be signed. California Senate Bill 826 is going to force publicly traded companies based in California to have at least one woman on their boards by 2019. That's next year. By 2021, companies uh, there will be required to have one to three women on their board, depending on the size. Are, are you excuse me? How can this be constitutional? It's I, not. It constitutional. Look, look at look, first of all postmodernist socialist people who are out to destroy the country you might be willing to accept both arguments one women are no different than men how dare you say women are any different than men they're exactly the same and two and women have to be on every board because they bring something unique but i don't buy into that you can't have it both ways I believe social media would be very well served by having both liberals and conservatives on their board. But I also believe in freedom. And so I'm not for forcing them to have conservatives on their board. This is the first mandated gender quota law in the nation, and it will not be the last. Now, Let's be really clear as you're getting ready to write your hate mail. This is not a terrible law because more women might end up in company boardrooms. I'm sure most companies could benefit from the expertise, wisdom, and perspective that some women can provide. 
just like some men can provide. What do you say you get the best and brightest minds and you don't care about the color of the skin? You don't care about the packaging. This is a terrible law because this is a classic case of big government getting bigger and reaching into areas that it has no business touching. This will hurt businesses and it brings you one step closer to democratic socialism. Criticizing this law has nothing to do with misogyny and everything to do with liberty. It is the principle of the matter. And I know we don't like to talk about principles anymore or truth. But both of those are the reason we're in this mess, because we keep rejecting them. Government should never be able to mandate quotas like this. Once you crack that door open, especially in a predominantly progressive state like California, there is no limit to what the government will interfere with in an effort to fix things and impose progressively approved morality, which will cause all the Californians to move to Texas. While California senators are patting themselves on the back for their forward thinking, their forced equality, every other group that perceives any sort of discrimination is now drawing up plans for their own government-demanded quota. It will not stop until the quotas required 200 board members at every company. Uh, oh, you know what? No, maybe we should just, maybe, maybe the workers should own the companies. Maybe all of these companies should be a real reflection of the people. And maybe the state should run those companies. If you think that that is crazy, you have no idea what postmodernism means and what its goal is. State-controlled property. No thank you. California, there's a reason people are moving out of your state. You are unfriendly to business and, quite honestly, to human common sense. It's Thursday, September 6th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I I wanted to add human because, I mean, I think the spotted owls probably love California. (laughs) They probably love it, and I think that's fantastic. Could you, could the government pass a law mm-hmm. that requires a company to hire a certain gender for a specific job? Like if you were to say, hey, uh, hey, you doctor, you, the doctor's office, uh, you have a new doctor's opening, it must be a woman. I don't think that's constitutional, no. right? So the, walk through the situation. In 2019, you know, it comes up and someone is on a board and there's five men on the board and one decides to retire they would be forcing this company to hire a woman. They would not be able to look at any male Correct. applicants. Correct. That cannot be constitutional. There's an equal protection situation there, isn't there? I mean, uh, get the government out of my well, business. It's certainly wrong. It's certainly wrong. Now, of course, as you point out, I mean, it would be fine. Obviously, having women on boards is great. I mean, it's, it's fine. just like it's having men on. It's, you know, get the smartest person, whether it's a male or a female, should be our approach. Uh, but the idea that you could, you would have to be locking a company into a specific gender now again what does that mean for a transgendered person what does that mean for someone who's pansexual or asexual or gender queer or gender fluid did they have no roles are they could they would not be able to be considered either would they Mm-mm. 
No. No, it has to be. And if you don't have woman. any pansexuals, how are they going to represent this company? How is this company going to How is this company going to be fair to pansexuals? You you have to male female and 183 other uh, genders. You have to have all of the genders. And by the I got this, by the time you hire 183, it'll be higher than 183. I'll tell you that much. You'll you'll never catch that number. I want to uh, I want to spend some time talking to you on the phones today about uh, this particular uh, issue of uh, the op-ed piece in the New York Times. Also, we're going to be doing open phones today at five o'clock on the Glenn Beck program on television and the Blaze uh, TV network. You can uh, you can access that online or you can access that, uh, you know, on your uh, local cable or satellite channel. You can ask me anything tonight, 5 o'clock. I recommend that you start calling around 430, 445, uh, and get in line, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. That is also the phone number, and we're going to the phones now. Let's go to Kirk in Florida. Hello, Kirk. Your thoughts on morning, the New York guys. Times editorial and what's and what it means? Well, first of all, I never touch the New York Times unless I'm using it to start a fire. Uh, second of all, since the dawn of humankind, persons in governance have stabbed each other in the back. None of this is new. It's just much more amplified. Now, does Trump have imperfections? Absolutely. Does he need people around him so that he doesn't break the rules? Absolutely. I would expect that of any person in my presidency it's my presidency i put him there i am the voter problem being is we the voter used trump as a diamond tip drill to bore through the one percent's shielding against us and that's why this is all happening they want to punish us by destroying trump and destroying anyone who breathes his name all to protect themselves and to try and create their socialist utopia. That's all there is to it. Uh, I I don't know if I can go all the way there um, with you, but I don't rule anything out. We were we were just talking about you know Frank Underwood and uh, and um, the uh, Netflix show House of Cards, uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. and you know how that how crazy that looked when it first came on. I think it makes more sense now. I understand that world more than I understand what's happening right now. I think we have gone so far off the deep end that I can't predict. And there's what sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory. Maybe just that may not be. I have no idea because truth doesn't matter on either side. Truth does not matter anymore. Uh, You know, as far as the just the constant chaos, you know, we have talked so much in the Obama administration about, you know, the idea of overwhelming the system. Remember talking about yeah, that yeah, all the yeah. time? And it was, yeah. you know, there's intent by I think, yeah, some no, people. It's, it's, it's been outlined by, you know, mm-hmm. people who are, you know, who are deep in philosophy and, and ways to get things done. Uh, Francis uh, uh, Fox. Francis, Francis Fox, Fox Piven, Piven. Piven. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't remember the name. It's been a while since yeah. we went over that. Um, but, that, you know, this is outlined for a long time in various different ways. But it, it's, those times seem quaint to me, honestly. At oh, this point. When it comes to just Easy. the chaos of the news coverage and how hyperbolic everybody is about everything and how how 
how obsessed we are obsessed we are with like we were talking about this before we had we were playing audio before the show every morning we go through the audio clips that we have for the day and i i, I want to say at least half if not more of the democrats on various points of on all of these audio clips were just coming up with some incredible amount of mental gymnastics to blame whatever issue it was on race the the obsession of about skin color from these people is incredible. They all identify themselves solely by their skin color or how they feel about people with different skin colors. We have to get to this. Maybe oh. maybe next hour we have to get to this because I have a, a an interesting perspective on this mm. um, uh, that that you know coincides with what's in the book. Uh, addicted to outrage, uh, and I I. There's we bring up say exactly what you just did maybe next hour I can't recapture that magic uh, I, uh, I think you could uh, <laughs> let me go to Zach in Ohio hello Zach hey Glenn thank you for taking my call you bet um, the greatest threat to to our nation and the West at large is not Donald Trump it's not the deep state it's a threat that's largely ignored by mainstream media and even right wing talk radio. In the year 1900, whites made up 30% of the world population. Fast forward 118 years later, we now only make up 8% of the world population. Uh, in the next 100 years, Africa will be African, Asia will be Asian, the Middle East will still largely be Arab and Persian, but Europe will be Arab and African and largely Muslim. If this was happening to any other group of people, it would be called genocide. I encourage your audience to Google white genocide because you oh, know. Okay. Why, Thank why, you very much. Genocide? Why is genocide? It's not that white genocide. It is birth white rates people. of one society outpacing another's is not genocide. Is it? Is it genocide? What's happening in Japan? No, they're not having <laughs> sex. They're not having children. They're not reproducing. This is all by choice. White genocide. Okay. Get off the phone, uh, Jeff in Ohio. By the way, he that's not what he uh, told the phone screener. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Glenn, it's good to talk to you. Um, I was telling the screener that my whole issue is I am disgusted many times with uh, the president's behavior, whether it be at Twitter, on TV, whatever it might be. But I like his policies. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in this conundrum where how do I balance these two? Um, and I can't support what he says, but I'm supporting what he does. So I think that's where the trouble is on this. Um, and, and this is what we, we got ourselves into and you, you have to deal with the cognitive dissidence now. Um, you know, what we did is we, we, we hired a guy and we knew these things. We knew that he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't always tell exactly the truth. We know that he's a salesman. That's the best way to describe him. He's a salesman. You got to have this. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's going to change your life. Okay. Can I read? Give, give me all the specs here. Um, he's a salesperson. So we hired a salesperson. We hired a guy who we said we want to, not me, uh, many people want to burn down the state. I don't want to burn down the state. I want to expose the bad guys. He's not a good guy at exposing the bad guys because uh, he surrounds himself, uh, at least, uh, you know, in the well, first t- part of his administration with bad guys. Right. I mean, you know, Michael Cohen and, yeah. you know, Bannon right. and all these people that he bad now guys. kind of identifies as bad. Yeah. Were, we're good. Pl- pretty plainly bad at the beginning. Correct. So the, the problem here is, and I think this is where most people are. 
I think Donald Trump is a danger to the health of the republic. I think left to his own purposes or his own uh, tendencies, I do think that he likes Putin. I think that he understands Putin and Kim Jong-un more than he would understand Theresa May or one of our other allies that believes in democracy, you know, that believes in a constitutional republic that that has checks and balances. That's not good. I think his instincts on trade horrible. Uh, some of his instincts are awful, but that's the things that those were the things that Ted Cruz said. Those are New York city liberal values. He grew up believing these things. He grew up believing big government, uh, you know, trade wars, all of those things that are not good um, and not conservative. Yeah, I mean, he was known for being the most powerful executive. I mean, The Apprentice certainly yeah. assists that. And so, yes, he likes executive power. He yes, loves executive he power. Yeah. Okay, so that's not something that conservatives would like. But they made the bargain with the devil. And they said, okay, he's going to be able to get these things done. And he has done a lot of things that I never thought he would do. I never thought he would in a, do. And you're saying in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, he's, but he's also done a lot of the bad things I knew he was going to do. So you now have to make a choice. My feeling on this has been, I want good people around him. And I think we've gotten to that point. I want them to advise him. However, I'm concerned that this is a, is a secret cabal. I'm sorry, we didn't elect you, Anonymous. We have no idea who you are. You have no right to thwart the people's choice. If he's a threat, then you must make that case. You cannot take things off of his desk, you know, and I am torn because I think his instincts are horrible, horrible. I I'm I'm I personally celebrate that there's people around him going don't say that don't show him that. However, it's wrong constitutionally and in principle it is wrong. If you accept it now, it will happen the next president and the next president and the next president. And we're going to hear from the media if that one of those presidents is a democrat, which they will be, if somebody is in there thwarting them, we're going to hear the exact opposite. Yep. They will be demanding the name of who is doing it. We must be consistent and we must base it in principles. On the subject of somebody thwarting him anonymously, I think it's unconstitutional. I think it is a very dangerous thing. Even though <laughs> I am so torn because I... I'm glad somebody is there doing it. All right. Gold line. Been telling you about the new uh, Maple Flex that allows you to break off a smaller piece and barter uh, and trade. But I don't want you to forget about the importance of a small gold bar as well. Little teeny gold bars. Um, this makes bartering so much easier. Now you can get the Maple Flex bar. And I don't even know what they are. Like 18 bucks, I think, a bar or something. It's, it's oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now, gold is... A lot more, obviously, but it's broken up into small uh, fractions of an ounce. Right now, you could use that to bargain. 
uh, and barter. If if the world goes insane, which hello, check the paper. Um, eventually, gold is going to be worth a ton of money, and that's not going to be that'll be just too much. An ounce of gold will be just too much. So you're going to need the silver and break it up. These are Canadian minted. Uh, they are exclusive to Goldline. They're credit card size, five individual one-tenth ounce gold bars, again, from the Royal Canadian Mint. It's, it's legal tender. You'll be able to barter and trade uh, and protect your family from craziness. I buy this as insurance. I don't buy it as an investment, but as an investment, it's done really well for me over the last 20 years. 866-GOLDLINE. Call them right now. Find out about gold and silver and if it's right for you. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Glenn Beck. So, what should journalists be doing right now? What role do they do they should they be playing we should be looking for actual facts most people don't know what brought the jim crow south um to the forefront what 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 captured people's imaginations what reporting was done um in the north to expose this by white journalists an amazing story that you've most likely never heard next. I picked up a book, um, I don't know, about a month ago, uh, 30 Days, A Black Man. And the the title just jumped off uh, the page at me. Uh, and it's the, the forgotten story that exposed the Jim Crow South. And it really, it, long before anybody else, uh, there was a journalist who decided, you know what, I'm going to go see for myself if this is actually happening. And if it is, I'm going to expose it. Uh, and he, he's, a, he's a guy that you've probably never heard of, and you should. Um, Bill Steigerwald, he's the author of 30 Days, A Black Man. He joins us now. Can you can you set the stage? I don't think most people even know this guy's name. Yes, his name is. Hi, Glenn. Thank you very much for giving me this chance to you talk bet. about my my book. Um, and it's a book about a, a, a great hero of journalism, which um, we could probably use some more of these days. Yeah. His name is Ray Spriggle, S-P-R-I-G-L-E. Most people haven't heard of him, especially uh, today. Um, it rhymes with wiggle. And he was a, he had won a Pulitzer in 1938 for, for uh, uh, exposing the fact that Hugo Black had been a lifetime member of the KKK, and he had just been named uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice mm-hmm. by FDR. Um, he was a nationally known newsman, and, and he was famous for going undercover. He, he went undercover once as a... As a um, a coal miner. He went undercover several times into mental state mental hospitals, which were absolutely horrible places. Once Jeez. as a once as a patient, once as a guard. Um, he was an amazing uh, reporter, a great writer. He had done fiction in his youth. He was uh, a major pulp fiction writer, uh, up and coming one certainly uh, in the early 1910s, maybe. He showed up in Pittsburgh, became a newsman, and and he spent. I don't even know, 45 years uh, being an incredible newsman. And in 1948, 
um, he decided he wanted to see what life was really like for the roughly 10 million uh, black Americans living in the Jim Crow South. And so he, and he knew that the only way he was really going to find out for himself was to, was to go down there. But obviously he was, he was as white as I guess we are Glenn. he was a uh, German American. <laughs> and uh, so he, uh, you know, immediately started figuring out, well, how am I going to dye my skin? And he tried mahogany juice and walnut juice and all this stuff. And wow. finally he, he just ended up getting a heavy tan and that, that, uh, advice was given to him by people at the NAACP. He reached out to Walter White, another for unbelievably uh, great hero, forgotten dynamo of his race, he was called. He, he and the NAACP, which he ran from about the early 1930s to the to 1955, you know, with Thurgood Marshall and all the all the law cases that were brought and all the all the work that was done was pretty much done by the NAACP, or at least certainly led by them. And Walter White was was unlike uh, what do we have? We have Al Sharpton visiting the Obama White House about eighty seven times. Um, Walter White visited the FDR and Truman White Houses, and and uh, once you find out about Walter White, you'll you'll know, you know what a hero he was too. Anyway, Spriggle met up with the NAACP people. They said, "Just get a heavy, heavy tan. We'll give you a guide through the South." Mm. Um, who will take you through the black world. Uh, Spriggle didn't go down there, you know, as a, as a newspaper man. He went down there as a, supposedly as a light-skinned black man from Pittsburgh who was doing field work for the NAACP. And he was guided by a man named John Wesley Dobbs, another superstar, black man, uh, pioneering social political uh, leader in Atlanta. His grandson was named Jackson Jr., and Dobbs basically hosted him at his house and uh, gave him a tour of the South from Savannah to the Delta over about 30 days, these two old codgers. Now, Spriggle was 61 and Dobbs was 66. These guys were at the top of their games. They were both accomplished, brilliant men. Dobbs drove around quoting Shakespeare and, and uh, English poets, you know, whole passages of poems. He was a self-educated, powerful orator. These two dudes were driving around the South for a month in, in May of 1948. And Spriggle, because he was passing himself off as a, an NAACP guy, could take notes. And so they would visit uh, sharecroppers, principals of, uh, or teachers in, in black, horrible black uh, elementary school. Yeah. Um, they, you know, ate and drank beer in joints. In, so, in so what, Bill, what was it that... What was it, the stories that he brought back that took white America by surprise? Well, at that time, in 1948, the big media of the day was print. And newspapers were very uh, you know, powerful. powerful and important. Uh, if you wanted to read about what was going on in the Arab-Israeli War, which broke out while they were on their little tour in the right. spring of 48, you, you could go to your local Connellsville you know, Gazette and... And there on the front page would be maps of the of the Middle East and all that. Right. But there were there were very distinct. Um, uh, in, in the whole country was segregated, north and south, in many many ways, shocking ways, really horrible ways, uh, shameful ways. I think when you read the details on and on about how how segregated the country was. But in terms of media, there was the white media and there was the black media. The black media was essentially weekly black newspapers, like the Pittsburgh Courier, which was the mm-hmm. biggest in the country, 400,000 subscribers, maybe. Um, 
and a Chicago defender. The white media almost never wrote about black people or their problems or their uh, or anything. Yeah, maybe a few crimes or maybe a vice raid that the local mayor of Pittsburgh would would mount into the black neighborhood of Pittsburgh, you know, during election time. But that's it. So so even the best white people in the North had no idea what life was really like for black people in the South. Black people knew either because they just left the South and moved north in the Great Migration, or or they, they were told constantly by the Pittsburgh Courier, which um, I, I would encourage, I know that you love history, and, and, and I'm a history major. I guess I'm finally fulfilling my degree here with this book, because I was a journalist for 35 years, mainly op-ed pieces and stuff like that, feature stories. But there's a place called newspapers.com. It costs you about eight or nine bucks a month. And you can go back and read the newspapers. Like, luckily, the papers that I needed, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Pittsburgh Courier, the black paper, are all online. You can read this stuff. The Pittsburgh Courier was out of its mind tremendous. I think it was like, if you put, if you put newspapers on a spectrum from the, from the staid, boring, and kind of creepy New York Times to the wacky New York Post, Somewhere closer to the New York Post is where the Courier was. They didn't pretend to be objective. They they railed about the the, the civil rights abuses in the South and and the poverty and the and the and the lynchings and the trials and everything. So black people knew exactly what was going on in a very sensationalized and powerful way. The Courier did this for thirty years, and so did the Defender and other papers. But. Uh, Meanwhile, the people at the Post-Gazette were spriggle-worked. Uh, Walter White, the head of the NAACP, I think when I was doing my research, I think his name was mentioned about three or four times the whole year in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This is a guy who'd been on the cover of Time magazine already and, and had the ear of Truman and was very close with Eleanor Roosevelt. And yet most white people in the North had no idea how, how uh, oppressive, discriminatory, and humiliating Jim Crow life was or 10 million blacks in the South. Meanwhile, the North was no, you know, picnic either for, for, for black people as, uh, anybody who starts reading about that. No, but there's, I mean, uh, I, I hate to interrupt you here, but we've only got a couple of minutes left, but there are things that, that you talk about in the, um, in the book, little, little things like, uh, you know, the, the phone operators not willing to address you as Mr. Or Mrs. Um, if you were black, because you were you were beneath that, you you weren't yeah. you weren't a Mister, uh, and you know some of these kinds of things. But you know the 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 things that really open because he opened white people's eyes uh, to this problem. He, what, what what he did is he he came back from the south and he wrote a twenty one part series, page one series for the Post Gazette. It was syndicated around the country to about fifteen other papers. New York uh, Herald Tribune was one. Seattle Times was one. And he wrote in a very powerful, persuasive, and, and, and passionate way, Spurgle did, recounting all these humiliations and inequities in the, in the schools and the funding and everything. I think the state of Mississippi spent more on busing white kids than it spent on black education in the state. So separate but equal was pretty much of a joke. Quite, um Spriggle was, was very, very powerful in, in his writing. He shocked the North. He pissed off the South. He pleased millions of blacks because Pittsburgh Courier re, reprinted his whole series, his 21-part series, and for seven straight weeks ran it, and it 
which and it went all over the country. So black people, that was the only way black people could read what Spriggle wrote. Um, it started the first national debate, Spriggle series, about four months, starting in August of, uh, of 48 through November, right after the Dewey uh, Truman election. It started the first national debate in the media, in the national media, about ending legal segregation. My book ends pretty much where Spriggle's story ends, and that is with a radio debate, a national radio debate, a uh, couple hundred stations live on, uh, on town hall meeting uh, of the air, which was like uh, meet the press and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and this is the first time this is the first time that this question was really asked. What should we do about race segregation mm-hmm. um, in a public way, in a public in way, a, in a media way? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Spriggle, you know, lit a little spark and it burst, uh, you know, it flamed there for about four months and then he it died down. And the South and Jim Crow did not get as much attention until. 1954 with uh, Brown versus Board, and then right. the Emmett Till murder in 55 and Rosa Parks in 55. And that's when the national media, the white media, the New York Times, CBS, came down south with their film crews and their notepads to really fully cover what, what you know, a very un-American life, uh, you know, American apartheid, basically, right. in the south. And the North does not get off easy on this either, but that's okay. Uh, I I, want to thank you for writing this book and and teaching me about somebody who I had never heard of before. Um, And it really shows that you may not be able to solve something in your lifetime, but by standing and doing the right thing, you could set off a trigger of, uh, you know, you could trigger a, a series of events that happen after you are long gone that changed the world. The name of the book is 30 Days a Black Man, the Forgotten Story that Exposed the Jim Crow South. Really, really well done. Bill, thank you so much. Uh, this is available thank in bookstores you. everywhere. You bet. Thanks, Bill. All right. LifeLock, new prediction, a new forecast says that 146 billion records are going to be stolen by cyber c- criminals. Over the next five years. But it's only $146 billion. That's it. So I doubt it's going to touch you. The U.S. is going to be the largest single target during this time, even with the forecast spending on cybersecurity is flat, and that's for corporations. I mean, what are you, what are you doing as um, an individual? This weekend, I'm... Uh, Remind me, I want to talk about something that's happening this weekend and, and on Monday's program that's really important uh, and very, very personal. Um, something that uh, you need to know about, and I've been very reluctant to share, um, but uh, uh, it's time. So I, I remind me to talk about that, but it, it kind of revolves around the security in your home and, 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 and how vulnerable we all are. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. It'll add the power of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. They will. LifeLock.com. They've pulled my butt out of the fire a couple of times. Just recently, they've done this. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll get a $25 Amazon gift card with your annual enrollment plus an extra 10% off at LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. 
tomorrow, uh, tickets go on sale to the general public for our uh, book tour. Uh, we are going to be uh, playing theaters, uh, and it's going to be a really—it's going to be a fun and informative night. I invite you to bring a friend, especially one who's sick and tired of all of it, and you know you think they're going to disagree, you know, or they think they wouldn't like me, but you know, yeah, you will. Um, uh, please bring them. The, go to the Glenbeck dot com tour glenbeck.com slash tour uh and uh and grab your tickets today for pre-sale you can grab them uh if you use the promo code the blaze one word the blaze otherwise you go on sale for general public tomorrow we're coming to san antonio houston dallas richmond hershey pennsylvania pittsburgh cleveland kansas city evansville uh tulsa tampa orlando and uh, we're going to be adding some other uh, dates out west uh, soon. Uh, but that they go on sale general public tomorrow. Last day of pre-sale. You can get them now uh, by using uh, the promo code THEBLAZE. Could I ask Stu um, to, to tell me exactly <laughs> what the ring is that he's wearing? My finger's actually tired from wearing it. Um, you may uh, recognize it as a uh, Super Bowl championship Philadelphia Eagles ring. Uh, it looks ridiculous. It's so huge. Uh, and heavy. And yes, it's very heavy. Uh, probably one of the most my most favorite things that a listener has ever just sent in. Champringguy.com. Guy from there sent it in. It's a replica ring of the actual Super Bowl. It's heavy, though. It's a big, real weight ring. Unfortunately, not all diamonds. He didn't send one to me. Um probably because like the yankees or you want a yankees championship ring from the nfl just, we can get that to you yeah i mean why not i mean today's the day the yeah. nfl starts they had to Correct. wear it i don't know what it you, looks when you're ridiculous it's so big now you're, you're, you know, you're nfl lineman's wearing it it probably looks yeah, a lot and big. it doesn't look bad unnecessarily on them and it looks appropriate it, you it's, it, it's like i don't know are you the pope or what <laughs> <laughs> what is that so bizarre all right uh, final hour of the Glenn Beck program coming up. Glenn Beck. It's Thursday, September 6th. This is the Glenn Beck program. What happened yesterday in the New York Times, the op-ed piece? Is itself a danger to the country? It is a threat to national security. I am so torn on this because I'm glad there's adults in the room. I'm really glad there are adults in the room. I, 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 I want this for every president, but especially this president. I want people standing around him going, wait a minute, Mr. President. Could we just stop and think here? I want that. This president needs those kinds of people around him. His instincts, I think, are wrong many times. Sometimes they're right. But when when the president goes wrong, uh, when he's swinging for the fences, it could be a very bad thing. So I'm glad somebody is in there. However, I don't like the idea of a secret cabal. Nobody elected this unnamed anonymous person. And even if they did, if we elected you, you're not the president. He is. And like it or not, elections have consequences. And what's the difference between this? This is a proverbial TARP bailout. That's what this is. 
The people made their decision. People in power want to make it better in their opinion. I don't know what this person's opinion is. I don't know if this person is good, bad, agrees with me or the Trump voter more or less. I have no idea. We don't know who this person is. And they're shaping the the future? No, thank you. That's a bailout. I'm sorry. Trust the American people. They'll get it wrong, but eventually they'll get it right. That's Thomas Jefferson. All right. It's ugly. It's an ugly system. But this is deep state shadow government. I don't know what it is, but it's not constitutional. And here's why it's a danger. I want to play something that came out last night. This is Theresa May yesterday in front of Parliament talking about Russia and their influence and the killing of two of their citizens. Listen. We were right to say in March that the Russian state was responsible. And now we have identified the individuals involved, we can go even further. Based on this work, I can today tell the House that based on a body of intelligence, the government has concluded that the two individuals named by the police and CPS are officers from the Russian Military Intelligence Service, also known as the GRU. The GRU is a highly disciplined organisation with a well-established chain of command. So this was not a rogue operation. It was almost certainly also approved outside the GRU at a senior level of the Russian state. Okay. Now, I want you to just think this through with me. The President of the United States has been under attack by the media, um, by the left, by the right, by everybody. He is rightfully paranoid, and he also has a touch of, you know, uh, paranoia in him anyway. Uh, The Bob Woodward book comes out where they're saying, I've taken things off his desk. Okay. Then the very next day, there's an op-ed from somebody who's very high level and says, look, I, I really like some of the stuff that he's doing but a group of us have gotten together and we talked about the 25th amendment but we don't want to cause a constitutional crisis okay so a group of us got together and said i think the president may be mentally unstable and unfit for job you had that conversation wow okay huh now you have that conversation and now you've put it in the new york times And you say, I like his tax cuts and I like a couple of things, but I want to quote astute observers have noticed, though, the rest of the administration is operating on another track, one where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished accordingly and where allies around the world are engaged as peers rather than uh, as ridiculed as rivals. On Russia, for instance, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of the Russian former spy in Britain. He complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia, and he expressed frustration that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its uh, malign behavior. 
but his national security team knew better. Such actions had to be taken to hold Moscow accountable. Put yourself none of the shoes of the president. Put yourself now as John Bolton, as as anybody who has to walk in and talk to the president about Theresa May and the evidence that they now have. And you have to recommend action for the United States. How are you feeling this morning? How are you feeling you're even going to approach this? Because let's just assume you're not the, the, the spy in the White House. You're not the one thwarting him, and you have no idea who is. But you know as soon as you bring up Russia, the president read that last night and has been obsessing on it ever since. And now you have to come in and brief him and say, look, we need a little tougher sanctions on Russia. What do you think the response is going to be from the president? How do you think he you think he's just going to openly listen to you or in the back of your mind is in the back of his mind? Is he thinking, I wonder if this is the son of a bitch that set me up? Understandably so. That's correct. That's what any person in his position would be correct at that moment. He was already against the sanctions. You just said pretty much we went around his back and got it done anyway because we know better now. With more headed uh, our way, now you've got to go in. Somebody has to go in and say, look, we need to get a little tougher because England has proven now that they were right. He's not going to do that. You've put the United States in a national security crisis. How can we trust that he's going to get good advice? Because quite honestly... Think about this. We know what Donald Trump is like. We know he's mean and vindictive. We know he'll cuss anybody out. We know that he will, he'll ring them out. Yeah, he punches back harder. That's what right. he's always talked about. That's what, he's, that's what he's like. We know that. You're a good servant of the United States and the Constitution. You have to go brief the president. Do you at any, at any time even think, I'm not going to be the one going in there today. No way. I'm not telling him that. Uh-uh. Right. Because he's going to think it's me, and it's not me. I am not going in there today. Think about that. That's a national security issue that has be, is being manipulated. Uh, I mean, the, the hawkish position on Russia is weakened in the White House today because of this op-ed. And if Which, the person who wrote it actually uh, cared about the hawkish position on Russia, you'd wonder why the hell you'd write it. Because right. now you're you in that thing, position. Do you notice one thing that they left out? You know, they said, hey, you know, we're, we, the group of us, we like a lot of the stuff that he's done. What's the first thing, Stu, that everyone always says if they voted for him and say, look, I don't like this, but hey, look, I really like Gorsuch. Got it. Supreme Court Supreme justices. Supreme Court justices and judges. That's the first thing. The one thing not mentioned in this, mm-hmm. the judges. Yep. So they didn't mention it either because they disagree with the judges, which wouldn't make them conservative, or they know by saying that it's just going to set a fire, and and uh, and, and will have a it will drag Kavanaugh into this mess. Well, why would you decide not to put that in 
because that's a, that's the number one thing on everybody's list that they like about him. Why would you decide not to put that in other than to protect Kavanaugh? But you would put things like Russia in, which is a continual problem. And now we see the same day or the day after this comes out, the same day it comes out over in England, they've got the goods on Russia. This is a nightmare. It really is. And you just you it's almost impossible to think of a reason to do this. I can't if, if the person is is actually representing their views accurately, unless it's, you know, some sort of personal ambition. Yeah. Right. And just so I can't think of a good reason. I can't think of one good reason to do this. Somebody who wants to be president themselves someday, right? Yeah. Or you know something of that nature, because there's not a there's just there's no argument to be made that this is going to help your position if this is what nope. you believe, unless you are in that group and you're talking about the Twenty Fifth Amendment, and somebody says, "No, you, he'd have to go crazy." And you're trying to antagonize, and him you're antagonizing him, trying to get him to go crazy. So you have a scene, you know, he walked into the cabinet room and he just started throwing things and he was out of control. I mean, that's a possibility, but I cannot understand why you would do this and think that this makes America more secure. It doesn't, especially if he's unstable like you claim he is. This is the worst thing you could have done. Good luck on Russia today, White House. Good luck. Hmm. Good luck for all of us. It's craziness. May I may I share some good news? And this is something that people have been saying there's no sign of this. There's no sign of this, Glenn. It's just not happening. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And I want to show you a a, a an astonishing sign that things are changing. We'll do that in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Casper Mattress. I love my Casper. Love it. Been sleeping on a Casper Mattress now for a while. Um, uh, I'd pick it over any of the mattresses that I've ever slept on. Um, it's a great night's sleep, Casper mattress. Once you try Casper, you're going to love it. And if you don't, no big deal. I mean, I told you when I first got it, I didn't like, I didn't like it. The first three, four days, I wasn't sure I liked it. And, you know, if it would have continued the way it was, I would have sent it back. Your body, you can't, it's why you can't test these things out in stores because your body um, it's it's over a period of time. You got to try it for a week or two weeks. Yeah, they, they'll let you do it for a hundred days. Hundred day. I, I need a hundred day test drive on every product I buy. You imagine that? That I mean, you'd never make a mistake. That's yeah. the that's the great part is you would well, never, never make actually a buy a car. Yeah, well, then buy, you just keep buying a new one and returning it every every hundred days. days I'd have <laughs> I don't a new think car. Casper will allow that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they'll. Allow yeah. That. All right. So look. They'll return it. They'll ref- um, they'll come and pick it up. Uh, they uh, will refund all of your money. You got to try it for a hundred nights, and then you will fall in love with it. At least I have. Try it yourself. Casper.com. Use the promo code Beck. Casper.com slash Glenn. Uh, now we're giving two pieces of information that are different. I see on the screen it's promo code Beck. I see on uh, the paper that it's promo code Glenn. No idea. Try them both. <laughs> Casper.com slash Glenn. 
I know, Glenn Beck. I know. Get a hold of him. Uh, we, we, uh, there's just, and I don't want to give in too much information out yet. Somebody just tweeted something. Is a journalist, uh, not well known. At least I don't know him. Stu doesn't know him. Uh, and I think he has cracked the code on this one. I, I think he is absolutely right. We're going to try to get him on uh, the show. We're running so late. If not, we'll do an after show. If we can get him on, we'll do something on Facebook Live right after the show. But let's can we get on that, Melissa? Let's let's Marissa. Let's get him on. Uh, it's it's you know it, no, it I don't even feels right. It's that it definitely that would ex- feels it right. does feel right. But again, that's when you should always be suspicious. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of background work that we haven't checked on, but it's it's, it's, yeah, an, it's interesting an interesting theory. It's That's an interesting all it is. Theory. Yeah. It's yeah. an interesting. Okay, theory. let me give you some good news. Let me give you some good news here. Um, Alexandria Casio Cortez, she tweeted her support uh, her uh, support for Linda Sarsour. This woman is putting it all on the line for healthcare women and LGBT rights. Linda Sarsour, far right, constantly maligns her with false attacks and threats of violence. Yet here she is always fighting for everyone our flag represents. Okay? How many times have you heard that? That that is stereotypical Democrat, right? That's what you feel. Stereotypical Democrat. This is what I wanted to talk to you about last hour. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity right now, but we have to separate the people who like a bigger welfare state from the people who are actually socialists communists you know whatever because they're not the same and if we don't change our language if we don't start opening our language up and start opening our arms up to people who are looking for a home we're going to miss this opportunity so let me just give you some of the responses to her tweet the far right and here i had the nerve to self-identify as a liberal what with my belief in free speech, separation of church and state, and religious pluralism, all things Linda Sarsour has demonstrably opposed. She's endorsed Islamic law, restricting critique of Islam and plays with anti-Semites. Next one. Uh, critique of Linda Sarsour is not the same thing as maligning her. Ocasio, instead of blindly following her, why don't you ask your bestie to explain why she body shamed and victim blamed Asmai 1121 after her sexual assault? Is that what a real feminist does? Next one. I criticize Linda Sarsour because I am a liberal, by the way. I'm not okay with sweeping Louis Farrakhan's overt Jew hate under the rug. Um, I also don't believe in uh, trying to make murdering Jewish babies okay by calling it Palestinian resistance. Uh, Stephen Hunter writes in, I've got to disagree with you here. Sarsour's open and unapologetic association with anti-Semites like Louis Farrakhan, as well as her advocacy of Sharia law, make her a con and a fraud in the progressive movement. There's no place for bigotry or theocracy in a free and equitable society. How about this one? You should apologize to every FGM victim on the planet. I don't even know what that is. FGM victim shaming includes one from any conversation about women's rights, as does supporting the enslavement of women in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, call yourself whatever the hell you want, but you are no feminist. This is this is a uh, there is a growing chorus of voices 
inside the Democratic Party who are beginning to see these people for who they are. We have to be very careful to open our arms to people who vote differently and may disagree on the size of the welfare state, but are not with the destruction of the state. They are not with the end of capitalism. They're, they're, they're not anti-American. They're not evil. They may have been misguided or trusted these people, but they are waking up. We need to provide a welcome to them and not a welcome. Hey, you're going to start thinking just like me, but a welcome. Hey, welcome back to reality and, and shedding your 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 tribal shirt, shedding your your team colors, because now we can get something done because both teams suck. Let's talk about real issues. Not all these made-up issues, especially made-up issues that are being championed by people like Linda Sarsour. I think this is tremendous news. It is, and it seems to be such a low hurdle to clear to ask for something like this, for people to distance themselves from those who call for the elimination of all Jews uh, or uh, all whites. These are not... High hurdles to clear. The the problem is, just like with Donald Trump, people are accepting of Donald Trump on the right because they see him accomplishing big things, pushing Mm -hmm. like the media, pushing the media back. And they're so sick of the media and they haven't seen anybody that's been able to do it. So you you excuse it, which drives the left out of their mind. The left then excuses people like Linda Sarsour because they're going in and they're pushing back on the Trump administration. We got to stop excusing the behavior and, 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 and notice if you're in bed with a radical, you got to get out of the bedroom. Get out of the house. The call is coming from within the house. Don't be outraged. Start to look for allies of freedom. Glenn Beck. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I don't think I've ever read a more powerful story than uh, I found in the book Unbroken. Um, however, the, 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 the movie really didn't do it justice. Uh, it uh, kind of left some really important parts out, like, I don't know, God, uh, the main driving uh, force. Uh, behind this man's uh, life and his and what he went through in his survival, um, his son is with us now, uh, Luke Zamperini. How are you, Luke? I'm well, thank you, Glenn. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, and Will Graham, the grandson of Billy Graham, is mm-hmm. also here. Yeah, thank you. Big fan of your grandpa. Oh, he appreciate was, it, buddy. He was a great guy. Um, so, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know, Unbroken. Just quickly tell the story of your dad. Oh, you got two hours? Uh, yeah, I know, but, I, know uh, I know. Okay, so Luis Amperini was uh, the son of Italian immigrants, a juvenile delinquent that turned his life around uh, to a point uh, through athletics. He made it to the 1936 Berlin Olympics, uh, the Olympics of Adolf Hitler and Jesse yeah, yeah. Owens. 
And Jesse Owens was my dad's roommate in the Olympic Village. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, uh, charged with uh, keeping him out of trouble, which uh, I'm afraid he didn't do too well because <laughs> uh, my dad got in trouble when he decided that the souvenir he wanted from the Berlin Olympics was the swastika hanging off of Hitler's office building. Oh, my gosh. So he scaled the side of the building uh, and ripped the flag down and got caught. And uh, he might have almost been the first American casualty of the oh, Nazis. Yeah. But uh, when they whipped him around, they saw the the, um, the Olympic emblems on his blazer. Uh, they uh, said, well, who are you? And uh, so my name is Louis Zamperini. I guess they were checking to see that he wasn't one of the two Jewish athletes right, that were on right. the American team. Right. Um, so, of course, they, they went inside the building and came back with the flag all folded up and said, you can keep the flag. And Unbelievable. Let them go, yeah. You still have it? We do. It's on display in uh, Torrance, California. We, we have a little museum on my dad's life there wow. with all of his uh, memorabilia. Uh, he went on to, um, uh, to run for the University of Southern California, where he held the collegiate record for the mile for about 14 years. Uh, he was almost a man to break the four-minute mile, but uh, World War II happened instead. So he ended up as a bombardier in the Pacific, and uh, after some uh, harrowing uh, you know, <laughs> uh, adventures uh, you know, on bombing raids, uh, his plane crashed in the ocean, and he, uh, he survived. Uh, he and two other guys survived on rubber life rafts uh, for 47 days, mm-hmm floating across the Pacific Ocean all the way into the Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands where he was uh, picked up by the Japanese, who, by the way, uh, followed American sports, and they knew who they had found, and they wanted to use him for propaganda purposes, which is why he was treated so inhumanely, uh, trying to soften him up. He refused to do the propaganda uh, uh, broadcasts, uh, and uh, instead uh, he was able to survive uh, the the torment that a particular heinous guard named the bird was, uh, was tasked with making his life miserable. He got through that. Um, the, thanks to the, uh, the two atomic bombs that were dropped on uh, Japan, the war ended and my father was able to come home alive mm. from that ordeal. That may not have happened uh, without the atomic bombs because the Japanese had what was called a kill-all order. Mm-hmm. So all the American servicemen and allies mm-hmm. were going to be put to death once the American uh, military landed on Japanese home islands. So the bomb changed all that. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. And uh, so, so he came <clears throat> home. Real quick, um, um, uh, let me just um, ask this. You had to be devastated when the film came out, and it just erased all of the... It, it erased all of the spiritual nature of. Well, yeah, the, the first film ended at him coming home from the war, and there just wasn't enough time for yeah. him to be able to tell the whole story. And uh, I believe things happen for a reason. Yeah. And uh, uh, Angelina Jolie's film ended where it, it did, so that we could tell the story from a mm-hmm. Christian perspective now. Right. Uh, you know, with a Christian director and producers, and uh, and then Will Graham playing his grandfather, which uh, had to be weird. No, I yeah. mean going back in time and playing your grandfather. What kind of relationship did they have? Because he was he he went to a tent revival mm-hmm. of your grandfather's, right? That's right. Yes, it was 1949. The 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 revival meeting that put Billy Graham on the map. Uh, my father, uh, my mom talked him into going, got him into the tent meeting. Mm. Uh, uh, 
the words that, that Billy had to speak changed my father's life. He came to faith in Jesus Christ, turned his life around, went back and forgave all of his prison guards. And, uh, wow. you know, I had found, I was going to tell you why, mm-hmm. I found a Life magazine from November 1949. It had, it's a revival and it had pictures of your dad and pictures of my mom and dad with him on stage How about wow. that? In, uh, in the revival meeting. So within, within weeks of him coming to faith, he was being brought back uh, to give his testimony. So as you are, as you're playing your grandfather, mm-hmm. um, what is the, um, you're doing the research, what, is, what did you find out about your grandfather and their relationship that, that was surprising to you or was, was fascinating to you? I'm not sure. When I did my research on my granddaddy, when I was you know, trying to research the, the sermons he was preaching and yeah. what it sounded like, uh, you know, I was I didn't learn much about the relationship. I'd already known much about the relationship already, uh, not just through my granddaddy, but from a lot of my granddaddy's associates, their friends, too, that were there. They uh, were telling me about the stories about Louis Zamperini and um, and I never had a chance to play. him. But what I learned from my granddad when I was learning his sermons was that he uh, he understood that time was short uh, in August. This the, the crusade took place September, October, November, it was scheduled three weeks, went eight weeks. In August, right before that crusade started, the Russians had just detonated the first atomic bomb. So every American was thinking about the nuclear age. Now the Soviet Union had the nuclear bomb. You know, this Cold War had started officially. And so everybody was thinking about that. And my granddaddy, half his sermons were preaching on communism (laughs) against communism. It's amazing. It's amazing how the church stood against all these religious leaders uh, of that era they all stood against the godlessness of it, uh, and that's all lost now. People just don't, they don't even, you know, the younger generation doesn't get it at all, at all. Well, it's, uh, I guess there's a lot of competing for their attention. They just haven't yeah. taken the time to do it, but uh, my granddaddy, he studied it, and that's why he would preach with a newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, talking about yeah. how the two would go together. You don't find that in churches a lot of times now. You don't yeah. see them tying real life together that's right with uh and and i think that's a that's a real disadvantage uh uh for a lot of people they're not we're we're missing how it how does this fit Mm -hmm. into my life because that's what it is i would just like to add that you know we give a lot of credit to reagan and thatcher and the pope uh, for bringing uh, for the demise of the soviet union but it was really his grandfather getting in behind the iron curtain and preaching the gospel uh, that it, it angered people back home that he he, he went back there, but it, it was him getting there and preaching the gospel, and it, it, that opened the door for the changes in mm-hmm. the Soviet Union that brought down the, the that mm-hmm. evil empire. I mean, imagine imagine the power your grandfather if he was at his you know at his apex again, if he was able to get into North Korea or even even China and have some of those gigantic uh, rallies that he used to have. I, I can't imagine uh, the impact that it would have on the future. Now. Well, the, every generation has to fight their battles. And yeah. my granddaddy had his uh, time and generation. Now God's raising yeah. up a newer generation. And uh, uh, we're going to see a lot of changes, I think, take place in China and in North Korea uh, for the better. Yeah. And uh, talking about the gospel, that is. Yeah. And a lot of great things are happening, even without us knowing it. A lot of great things are happening. Yeah. So when does the movie open up? September fourteenth, just a little over a week away. I'm going to go see it tonight. I have I'm, I've been 
I've been sent the copy of, if for to advance, so I wanted to watch it before this interview, and I just didn't have a chance to do that. But I'm seeing it tonight and uh, quite anxious because I, I think, well, you both come from great stock. Mm-hmm. I am a Thank huge you. fan of your grandfather. Mm-hmm. He's one of the uh, one of the life changing moments of my life was spending time with him. Uh, and the same for your your father. Just reading the book, I wish mm-hmm. I would have known him. Remarkable yeah. man, oh. just a remarkable man. He was a great guy. Yeah, the movie is uh, Unbroken. You can go to unbrokenfilm.com to find out more about it. Unbroken: The Path to Redemption. Unbrokenfilm.com. I want to tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Mercury Real Estate. Um, if you are looking to sell your home or even to buy a home, uh, I want you to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. Working with the right real estate agent makes all of the difference in the world. Um, it can mean the difference between buying or selling uh, your home. Getting the right price means getting the right agent who knows your neighborhood, knows what your home is worth, can give you the right ad- uh, advice on how to you know, maybe uh, stage things a little bit so it can, uh, you know, uh, attract the right buyers that will pay the top dollar. We have over a thousand. I think it's actually like more than 1500 agents all over America who are just like you. Their word is their bond. They they uh, want a square deal for everybody. They don't want to mess around. They, they want to sell your home. The agents are fully vetted and handpicked by our team for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. Thousands of people have already put realestateagentsitrust.com to the test. Read about it on the website or just find out yourself uh, by contacting realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. Tonight on TV. No catastrophe is too catastrophic. No apocalypse is too apocalyptic. No sports questions are too be answered. I don't know what's going on here. Glenn takes your calls live on the air. The show starts at 5 p.m. Eastern, so get in line a little early at 888-727-BECK. Only on The Blaze. All right. Uh, today is the last day that you can buy tickets to our uh, our tour. Uh, I'm going out for the first time. That's not actually accurate. It's, uh, it's the last day of the pre-sale. Well, yeah, those they actually go on sale tomorrow, so it would actually be, the, for most people, the first day they could buy them would be tomorrow. You are America's worst promoter of your own projects. Do you realize this? <laughs> yes, I do. You're terrible at it. I know. I don't like it. I don't you like it. Don't, why are you in this business if you don't like it? Because I, I don't like self-promotion. And I know that sounds crazy, but I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I just you, don't. You can't even say the details of the on-sale right. Well, that's just because I'm a crappy broadcaster. Oh, that's different than yeah, you being uncomfortable. Than, yeah, You're just bad at the job. Yeah, no, I'm Got just bad it. at the job. Yeah. Yes, it's glenbeck.com slash tour. The pa- Today is the last day of the pre-sale good job what do you have to do on the pre-sale you have to use the promo code the blaze good job all right where are we going in this tour uh we are going to san antonio houston dallas richmond hershey pennsylvania pittsburgh cleveland kansas city evansville uh tulsa tampa orlando and uh, a couple of other cities Boy, I'm getting politicked hard uh, for a couple of cities. Uh, Phoenix, Mike Broomhead is like, you're coming to Phoenix. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so I'm trying to convince the 
the tour bus to find a way to, to go to Phoenix, but there's a couple of others that are going to be added. Just start a GoFundMe uh, directly to Glenn Beck's bank account. If you can get over $100 million, it'll be in Phoenix for you. That's the kind you of guys we are. Get, you can get me there for about 10 bucks. <laughs> Phoenix is awesome. I, yeah, I, love, I, go I, love, Phoenix. I uh, love Phoenix. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be fun. It's the first time we've been out on the road like this in a really long time. I, I think since maybe common no, not common sense. What was the book after common sense? It might be common sense. I mean, I don't think we've done a stage show in eight years, nine years. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. And they're I'm so fun. very nervous. I don't know. They're fun. I mean, oh, they're, they're fun really for fun. me because I don't, you know, I maybe get to intro you and do a little bit at the beginning and then I get to just watch you go out there and be a sweaty mess. And, you know, it's great. Yeah, you don't, uh, there is a splash zone here. Uh, you don't, I mean, I know the most expensive seats are the front rows, but you might want to bring a tarp because there is a splash. I sweat a lot. A lot. It's been a while though. That's going to be really fun. A lot of the a lot of the seats that you buy come with the new book uh, due yeah. to outrage. It's, There's different levels, you know. Obviously, yeah. there's really expensive, uh, you know, like crazy expense. Like really crazy, uh, you know. Where I like the fact that the recovering alcoholic on the addicted to outrage tour does have a ticket that does include like uh, I don't know like an open bar or free drinks or something. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we're going to talk about addiction <laughs> and recovery and how this will help our country. Well, one way, if I'm not mistaken, one way you have uh, cured your addiction to outrage in the past is by alcohol because alcohol made you, you were a loving drunk, as you've described I really it. was. You were very lovey-dovey. Yeah. Now, that did not make people like Pat comfortable No. at the time. No. Pat um, was like, shut up. Shut up. Because you were hugging a lot. I'd be like, you know, Pat, you are the greatest. (laughs) There's nobody better than you. You're just such a good guy. He'd be like, shut up. (laughs) Uh, So that's coming out. And the book is coming out on September 18th. So you can pre-order that at Amazon.com. Okay. We didn't cover a lot of things today. I know. So we didn't. We didn't get to too much uh, op-ed talk today. Yeah. What How do you much? Think? Yeah. I, I, think so. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's such a huge story. Uh, Marissa, what did what did we find out? Did we get that guy on. He's going on. Oh, he's coming on. Oh, this is great. Okay. I don't know who this guy is. I can't <laughs> vouch for him. I just saw him on Twitter. He's a journalist of some sort. Uh, he said, I started matching the language and keywords, <laughs> and I think I know who wrote the op-ed and who's actually behind it. And I think he's right. And now, there's, there's, you'll never be able to prove it, I'm sure, but oh. it sure makes sense to me. First of all, this, this identity absolutely is going to be out. We're going to know who this is. It's not going to take a lot that long. I don't know that it's going to be tomorrow, I but this is this is. I think I would put with, I put money on this one. And you have no idea because we haven't checked any of his back. Yeah, no work, idea. None of his. It just it just, it just seems right. <laughs> it just seems right. It all makes sense. And those are always the things that are true. The things that uh, make you feel like you were smart before. Those are all when everything's confirming something that you think might yeah. be true. And if it's true, it's just gonna the New York Times is gonna look so bad to anybody on the right. I mean, it's just it's, it's not gonna be good. Anyway, we're gonna do that Facebook Live in about half an hour. Glenn, don't want to miss back. it. Back, Mercury.